uh, welcome everybody back to Why Such a Fast Podcast. We have James with us again. Hi, James. Hi, Christina. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Great to have you. So we thought we'd do something a little bit different today. We do an In The News podcast because there has been some recent cases that are worth mentioning and bringing them to the attention of our audience. So I've got a couple. I know, James, you've got um, some as well. Yep. So I'll let you go first as you're my guest. So over Thank to you. you, Christina. I've, I've got this one big one that's happened um, in the past sort of week or so, which was a really large number of conveyancing solicitors that have had major issues with house sales. So there's a lot of people that have had their house sales go into limbo because uh, another an IT provider that helped, that was doing some cloud computing and supplying a system to those those solicitors uh, had a cyber incident as they like to call it. Um, at this point, um, not huge amounts is still known, but what we do know that it looks like it was a a piece of old hardware on the Citrix side of things that hadn't been patched. Um, so that has led, they've then obviously had a, a cyber attack that has stopped the system from working. Wow, that's quite serious. It is quite serious. Um, and at this point, obviously, this is an ongoing thing. So, so news is keeps coming in all the time. And what that looks like, I think the biggest thing, obviously, it's it, looking at what does this mean? Well, if we start at the fact of, we, you know, when this happened, we were still a, a month from Christmas. There was lots of people that hoped to get their, their moves in before Christmas. It's very unlikely that's going to happen because they can't get to the data that is required to, to get that moved on. You've then got, well, you know, those people are not moving. That's mortgages that are then not going through. That's mortgage offers that then might fall fall away while this is being sorted and they'll have to reapply elongating that situation even more for the solicitors that is huge amounts of revenue not happening because especially if they are conveyancing just conveyancing firms they're reliant on that fee once that house sale's gone through estate agents so, well. yep yeah, the estate agents as well which are going to be my next one those state agents are not going to get their fees yeah um and it's actually raised another question as well uh, for our industry. So there was a promise, and I'm not going to get too political, but there was a promise that there would have been some changes to our industry from a regulatory side of things. Okay. Uh, but that didn't go through last week. Now, you know that I'm a big advocate for this, which is that, uh, anybody that wants to operate in the IT industry should be at least Cyber Essentials Plus certified. Um, but at the moment, they don't have to, you know, you, you can, uh, Christina, I know that you've got IT background as well, but you could walk, you could literally change CVG solutions to, a, to a, an MSP and start offering support to customers without any, without any qualifications, without any regulatory need. Um now, that was supposed to get signed off and start being pushed out last week. That hasn't happened. Really unfortunate. Um, hopefully that comes next year because 
the the company providing this service are also a managed service provider very similar to ourselves difference for them is that they made they wanted their clients to be cyber essentials plus certified but they weren't themselves oh that's a bit hypocritical isn't it (laughs) it is a little bit um and i think you know that you know the fact that there's so many people affected in this chain is is huge you know it's affected 80 confounding firms you know it's thousands of sales it's 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 huge numbers and i think for everyone listening the cts are not a big firm yes they are Um, a relatively small firm and yeah so obviously you know their reputation is damaged yep so yeah and yeah so they then and there's still no movement on that on this um in over a week because there's no no one knows anything else because at this point in time the, the news has gone quiet as it always does yeah um so that that's my big in the news and i know i've, I've i definitely have got some stuff to add in on a couple of yours as well <laughs> i'm sure that um you know the solicitors firms and you know they will want to be compensated for the inconvenience and the issues that this has caused so i feel really sorry for the it um organization that particular organization although they kind of um deserved is not the right word but it's almost like karma do you know what i mean um a little bit yeah yeah um so yeah so they should have thought about it and they should have put you know as they're preaching you know security measures to their client they should have had their own um so they don't necessarily get my sympathy but i would not be surprised if the solicitors firms take action against them yeah because I think they will be quite right in doing so. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for sharing that, James. No worries. Um, so I wanted. There's been um, an interesting one that I wanted to uh, bring to to this uh, um, forum. So there's there are some a QR code scam going on at the minute, um, and one in particularly that actually um, caused the victim to lose £13,000. So these happened at um, Thurnaby Station's car park where the original QR code was then covered with a fake one, with a fictitious one, so that when you scanned it on your your, um, mobile, it will then take you to a fake website and redirect you for your payments to you know a, a, a different um area and that has caused a huge amount of stress to many victims this particular victim in particular who was a 71 year old um, woman who's lost a lot of her savings through this scam and the the thing that she was quite particularly shocked about is that the easiness of how they were able to take her data. And even while they were on the phone with her, they felt legitimate. She felt reassured and that they were genuine. But the fact that 
they could actually reference back to her some transaction in her account that she recognized. And actually, they were scamming her while they were on the phone with her. So while they were on the phone with her, actually applied for £7,500 worth of loan that was done within minutes. Now, she managed to get it all sorted and all of those fraudulent debts were closed down. But nevertheless, the stress and the aggro that she had to go through, it was just you know unbelievable. If you think of the amount of phone calls, the amount of time she had to spend, as well as the distress of not having the money you know, in the bank account and not knowing whether she could recover it. Um, so all of her bank accounts were frozen. You know, if it wasn't for the support and the help of her son, she wouldn't have been able to cope financially, pay for bills, pay for um, shopping, etc. So it's just horrendous. Um, so be, be wary of those kind of things. And actually, QR scams are on the rise. Since um, 2021, there were 219 QR scams. Then they increased in 2022 to 380. And then as of September this year, we are now at 411 and they keep rising. Christina, so, it's going to be the fact of the you know, same as AI, same as yes. we've seen at numerous different times. It's a new technology that yes. became really popular through the likes of Weatherspoons and, and those kind of chains that put them on tables and went, oh, you know, scan this and you can place an order and people became very accustomed to the ease of what that means yeah but when you scan it you are still clicking a link yes um so going back to i think we've said about emails and those kind of things and or being on websites you're still clicking a link but qr codes will take you straight there and that link is normally well hidden until you arrive at it yes um so it is very much a case of Think about where you're scanning it. I think that'd be my biggest advice. I've, I've, I've been asked this before. What are the dangers with QR codes? Well, you know, you scan one that is out in the public domain. You need to be really thinking about what is it? Has it been, like you say, put so add something put over the top of it? Does yeah. it look like it's a new one? Um, you know, definitely don't be scanning them that have been stuck on lampposts and those kind of things. Just be <laughs> careful of where they are. Um, yeah. But I'm so pleased to hear that that lady managed to get that sorted because there have been cases of that kind of scam, not necessarily through QR codes, but that kind of money scam where people haven't got it back. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's really heartbreaking. It really is. Mm. Um, the other one that I wanted to share is something that has happened at an hospital in Five. It was so severe that the ICU was actually issued a reprimand to this hospital um, in Five. So basically, an unauthorised person was able to enter a ward and access the personal information of 14 patients. When they entered the, 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 the ward, they were not asked for any identification checks, member of staff or non-member of staff. They were allowed to assist in the care of one patient and, and actually administer in the care to the patient. So that is quite sort of worrying 
that anyone could enter the hospital and have access to patient medical information. The data was actually taken off site by this person and has not been recovered. Those 14 people that are being affected, they must be quite worried about it. So, I mean, the, the ICO did an investigation and concluded that the hospital did not have appropriate security measures for personal information as well as staffing training. You know, I know I go on about staff training when it comes to data protection. It's important. I've said it many times in my podcast, and this is re-emphasize the need for it. Now, following these incidents, um, NHS 5 has introduced some new measures, such as system for documents that contains patient data that needs to be signed it and signed out. So that's good. And they've also updated their identification process. But nevertheless, the stress that this has caused, organizations should really be putting data protection at the far front of their processes. So NHS 5 clearly demonstrated that they do not operate with data protection by default and by design in their, in their culture, in their operating model. So this is quite sad and worrying. The next one that I wanted to share, which is kind of in the area of solicitors again, James, they seem to be in the firelight at the minute. Mm-hmm. So, so basically the ICO and the National Cyber Security Center and CSC, I always struggle to say that one. <laughs> They've joined for forces to instruct solicitors firms to make sure that they're given the correct advice to their clients. So basically what's been happening is that solicitors firms have been advising their client to pay ransom during a ransom attack and also that there is no need for them to report the incident to the ICU, to the regulator. This could not be further from the truth. So first of all, the ICO will never advise for a ransomware to be paid and ransomware attack should be reported to the ICO if they are of a high risk. Um, so the NCSC and the ICO have written a letter to the Law Society instructing those solicitors to provide the correct advice to their clients when it comes to ransomware demands that they should not be paying them and they should be reporting the incident to the ICO. And also they should be operating and adopting the cybersecurity functionalities that the NCSEs recommend. So they should be working with the institution um, or, or any um, IT cybersecurity providers such as such as yourselves, James, that are in line with the NCSE to ensure that ransomware as a threat is mitigated. I think with uh, there is something in that profession, Christina. Um, mm. Unfortunately, at the moment, where they not all of them are still aware. Yes. Of, of the importance of the data protection side, whether it be through cyber or whether it be through physical, there are still 
the lots of solicitors that are still carry around lots of paperwork as well. Um, uh, that is an unfortunate side of that. And look, we, we are still probably five years behind America. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's only this year that they signed a bill and it is now illegal to pay a ransom for any kind of cyber attack in the US. Yeah, you know, that's that's creating a huge stir because people are now having to actually deal with it. Um, so I think if people were uh, are aware that that will come, that will most certainly come from from again through I from the I, um, ICO and, and the NCSE for them to be able to turn around and say actually it's not just guidance; it's not something that we can potentially fine you for. It's now either a guaranteed minimum fine or, as it is in the States, you've broken a federal law. Mm-hmm. So you could actually get criminal, you know, a criminal um, record and spend time in, in, inside a prison because you paid a ransom to get someone's data back. You're losing the money because you paid the ransom. <laughs> exactly. So, but as far as they're concerned in America, the way they see it is by paying that money you are encouraging and financing cybercrime. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, when, when, and that will come to us, that will come to us here by, by no shadow of a doubt, because we will take it more seriously um, and things will change. Um, but, you know, if- but by doing it that way, that will also enforce organizations to apply yeah. those security measures, to apply the cyber security and implement it. And then it will also force IT provider who have not embraced cyber security pride despite preaching mm-hmm. it yeah. <laughs> um, to actually get that certification that is required. So I can only see it as a positive to be honest in, in terms of you know having a more restri- you know strict regulation around it. Um, because it will force a more positive behaviour. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. And we, and that's what you know. That is all people want to to really do. From my, from your side, from from my side, is you know these are just the the right processes to protect your business. Yes. So then it's you know how do you move that forward? Yes. And having that stuff in the background to enforce that change. Rather than, you know, the the nice gentle nudge. Can you can you just maybe do that for us? Yeah, you know, it it will make a change, and it will make people have to come to the market. So I'm looking forward to that coming here. Yeah, <laughs> James, thank you ever so much for uh, joining us today. It's always a pleasure talking to you and and exchanging ideas with you. So if you, if you would like to know more about IT and cybersecurity in particular, please contact James at uptech.co.uk. You can also find him on LinkedIn. Just search for Jane Fowlers. Uh, if you would like to know more about GDPR and other security measures that um, are not necessarily technical, that you would uh, apply to your business or anything else about the protection, please contact me at info at cvgsolutions.co.uk. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, Again, just search for CVG Solutions and follow the page Um, or alternatively link with me. So 
pleasure speaking to you all. I hope you found this informative and see you all next time. In the meantime, have a wonderful Christmas. Thanks, Christina. See you all. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.